1: You're listening to a Zweig Letter Podcast exclusive, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru, Mark Zweig, and his team of experts, Straight Talk, in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive, and these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally, wherever you are.
0: Hey everyone, and thank you for joining Zweig Group Media and the Zweig Letter exclusive interview series. With almost 25 years of continuous coverage of the design industry, the Zweig Letter is a constant in an ever-changing marketplace. We're bringing you some of the best and brightest minds that our industry has to offer. Today I'm pleased to welcome Mr. David Wantman, President of Wantman Group in West Palm Beach, Florida. David, it's great to have you join us today. Instead of me reading off a litany of things about your firm, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about Wantman Group?
2: Thanks, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here today. Glad to spend some time with you. Wantman Group, uh, formerly known today as WGI, that's how we do business. Uh, we've transitioned from the small family brand to WGI, as I think a lot of our successful predecessors have in this, in this profession. Uh, There's nearly 350 professionals doing business primarily in the southeastern United States, Uh, The majority of that taking place in the state of Florida. We have about nine offices today, headquartered in Palm Beach County, where we've been headquartered since 1972, uh, doing work in a wide range of services, transportation, water, sewer, planning, landscape architecture, survey, uh, utility locating. And so we really pride ourselves in being able to provide a full suite of services to just about any client that's in the infrastructure business.
0: Wow. That's I mean that's that's a lot. I mean it, it sounds like you guys have your hands in everything. Now you guys originally and, and and I know that when your dad first started the company back in 1972, you were primarily doing like civil site development and then you, and then you moved into the survey space and then and then you slowly started added, adding these different services over time. Yeah,
2: Exactly. So the the normal evolution for a lot of firms in this space is to start off serving private clients because that tends to be the easiest type of client for a firm to to work for. And so over the period of time, the firms then tend to digress or uh, diverge into more public work. And so just like other firms, a firm started off doing private land development work in south, southern or southeastern Palm Beach County uh, at a time when the population was very low, you know, certainly well under a million people, just a few hundred thousand. Today it's, it's significantly larger than that. And So when you look at the South Florida population base, it's, it's gone up by a factor of 10. But over the course of time, the way the rules changed and the way the population grew, the firm was challenged with the ability to not only do land development work, but also to do infrastructure work, water and sewer plants to support it, off-site improvements in in the terms of of roadway improvements, and then I think it was a relatively small leap from doing that work for private developers to then moving on to the departments of transportation, expressway authorities, cities and counties throughout the state. And so today the firm derives, I would say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 75% of its revenue from public-based clients, and the remaining portion is on the private side.
0: Okay. Okay, so I mean, your your arc or in history with the firm starts when you were, and I can only, I'm just kind of picturing this in my head, starts when you were about 13 years old, coming in and and doing some work with the survey group. Um, You know, what's it like working in a very successful family business? Well, you know, it's it's been interesting
2: and challenging. Uh, As a as a child, I did start work at the age of 13, and and it wasn't voluntary. Uh, it was something that I didn't have an option on. the The message I got from 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 early on was, "You're going to do two things: you're going to go to college, and you're going to get a job." And and I guess the message was, "You're going to get off my payroll," coming from my parents. But uh, the the choice I had in, in 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 school growing up was get involved in a- after hour activities or come to the office. And so, to the extent I wasn't doing something after hours at school, mostly sports related. Uh, I didn't have a choice and so I showed up at the office and in summers I had a full-time job and during during the other parts of the year I had a you know I had a part-time job and yeah it was everything it was working on a survey crew at the time it was running blueprints uh, I still have a Leroy set I learned how to you know work on ink and mylar and uh, started work on a drafting table the blow dryer to dry the ink and uh, I, I don't know that I, I I don't know that I disliked it but I didn't like it enough going through college to want to be an engineer and so I swore all along that's not, it's not exciting enough for me. That's not how I see myself you know, developing, and it's not the career path that I see. And So inter- interestingly enough, I thought, well, I'm going to get out and do something that's a little bit different, maybe on the finance or real estate side. And then as I got into college and had to declare a major, lo and behold, I found myself saying, well, I don't really don't know what college I want to go to. I guess I'll just go to engineering school and see what happens. And so I did. And I graduated with a, with a bachelor of science in civil engineering almost 30 years ago now. And the minute I got it, I knew it was a mistake. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do now? And, and for the first six months, I didn't do much. And then finally, you know, my, my dad caught on to it and called me one day and said, you know, what are you doing this weekend? It's kind of a funny story. And I said, I don't, I don't know what. And I was still living in a college town. He, he said, well, I know what you're doing. Start packing. I'm coming up to get you. You're coming home to go to work. (laughs) And so six months later, I found myself working for my father again. And then he he had gone through a merger and acquisition and was in the process of selling his ownership. And so a few months after I started with him, I got taken to lunch one day. And the message was, you know, hey, I think I'm going to sell everything. And you may want to go find another place to work. This was 27 years ago. And... And so at the time, I answered an ad in the newspapers because that's how we found jobs in those days. You answered a classified, and I found myself a week later headed over to the west coast of Florida for an interview. And a week after that, I found myself packing up everything I owned in one car, not even a trailer, and and moving to Tampa, Florida. And I stayed there for the next 10 years. Uh, What happened next is, you know, within a year, my my father started over again. And a year after that, he kept asking me to come back. And I was a little, I guess, tainted at, at, at that point because... I tell everybody I felt like my gravy train had, had pulled out of the station and right. I had to go work somewhere else. But I worked at a place that was good to me, uh, a place that I appreciate everything that I learned and uh, probably one of the most uh, educational experiences I ever I ever could have received was working for somebody else for 10 years. and, and I think I did a real good job when I worked for that firm. Uh, they're still successful today, but I took a tremendous amount of knowledge from them. And When I did finally come back to rejoin my father uh, a decade later. We had three people, and uh, you know here today, seventeen years later, we do sixty million dollars a year in revenue, and we have you know nearly three hundred and fifty people, and so it's been a tremendous push to do everything right. Um, You know, a little plug for Zweig, we use your services. Um, We find the the information and the guidance you provide to be tremendously beneficial because we're just one firm in a relatively small area, and we're competing with a tremendously robust and well financed. Uh, peer group. And so the information that we can gather to help us make intelligent decisions based on what some of our peers are doing has been tremendously valuable to that growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I know um, this is I was writing an article the other day and I was talking about how this is the actual third decade that I've worked in the design industry. And I'm amazed at how much Things have changed, and you know, you and I are probably not terribly far off in age. But the reality is, is that you know, it, it's a lot different from this industry is a lot different now, and you know, the twenty, you know, 2016 than it was in the 90s. Um, and and there's just so many new things happening. And and I and I guess you know, I, I find it interesting that you know, you were able to step away from the family business for a while and and, and learn. On somebody else's dime but then come back and 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 not so much rescue your dad but become a part of the arc of success that you guys have experienced like you said in the last 17 years so um, i think that's 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 very interesting because there's so much consolidation in this industry you don't see a lot of legacy ownership in the design industry anymore like you used to see and and as you said with some of the services that we offer with mergers and acquisitions and um ownership transition we're just not seeing, you know, owners or, or, you know, old line engineering and architectural firms handing their firm off to their son or daughter to take over. It just doesn't happen as much anymore.
2: You know, the business has gotten really large, not just our business, but the profession in general. And so it's not so much that it's a it's a mom and pop profession anymore. You know, while that is the bulk of the firms by number, they certainly don't dominate when it comes from a revenue standpoint. Know, a very small percentage of the firm do a majority of the, of the revenue generation in this, in this space. And so it's, a, it's an interesting business to be in because when you're small and you're in that family environment, it's actually a relatively fragile environment. You, know, you go from one day being profitable to one day being non-profitable. And I know you look at a lot of different firms and you see just how close to one side of the line those firms are you know, to the other. And it it can easily be one person, one key person, one key project that throws them from tremendous profitability to negative cash flow. And it's a a very interesting dynamic. And so the small firms probably don't excite too many kids to go into because it's a very fragile environment. And the large firms are just too large for a family member to step in unless they're tremendously good at what they do or have had years of training and guidance to, 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 to step into a leadership role. There's just so few people that are qualified to run firms like this.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely true. So I'm just curious. I mean, when, when do you feel like I mean, when, once you came back um, to to Wantman Group or WGI now, um, when do you feel like you got your sea legs about you and you felt like you, you kind of understood what, what needed to be done?
2: You know, it's interesting. I, I knew what needed to be done before I got here intuitively I, I, I was very fortunate you know I, like you said I grew up in the business and so the the kitchen table dinner table conversations revolved around you know my dad's business and so I kind of had an idea and, and I, I've been very fortunate that I understand business and finance better than most I believe and so when I got here I knew intuitively what had to happen what I tremendously underestimated was exactly how hard it was going to be and I'm not saying it wasn't worth it I don't know if I'd do it again though and so, you know, early on, you know, when 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 you're and I think to be successful at this, uh, you have to be a little bit ignorant because if you know exactly how much it's going to hurt, you may not consciously pull the trigger on, on, on what what you're about to do. And, and that's true with a lot of people that do a, do a startup sort of thing. And so this wasn't quite a startup. I got a, a jump start on it. But in order to take it to where it is today. I, I didn't envision how hard it was going to be. I mean, you know, people say they work 50-hour weeks, 60-hour weeks. Well, I was working 60-hour weeks and then having to do all the things that it takes to grow a firm. It was 60 hours a week of delivering to a client, and then it was payroll and HR and marketing and branding and growth and personnel issues. And, you know, when you're three people, it's it's hard, but it's manageable. When you're 10 or 15 people, it's, it's really, really hard because all the interesting dynamics of of a multi-person office come into play but there's only one or two people that are having to deal with every single thing and so you know from from 0 to 15 was tough when you start to get to 50 or 60 people still a little bit of risk but you start to realize that you need some help and so you start to hire people maybe in an overhead function or half technical half overhead and and it makes it a little bit easier Uh, between a hundred and two or three hundred A little bit easier, but different challenges. And I think once you surpass the 300 level mark, you start to understand just how important support staff is. So the concerted effort that we've made the last year or so especially has been to get the support staff in place to actually leverage the technical growth. And, you know, everyone says we don't need HR, we don't need IT, we don't need marketing and branding. The reality is you don't if you want to be stagnant. But if you want to do what people at ZWAG promote and the successful firms promote, you have to outspend every single one of your competitor tremendously in every single one of those areas. You have to do really well at HR. You have to do really well at IT. And you have to do even better at marketing and branding because that's what this is about. I mean, it's about taking care of the people. It's about making them feel comfortable in their work environment to make sure they're using the latest tools. And, you know, let's face it engineers, architects, they like technology and so they want the latest stuff. That's what excites them at the office. And and then you gotta market and brand all that. You gotta let the world know. And that's that's the challenge. The technical work is easy. I mean it should be easy. It's the, it's it's selling it to everybody else. That's 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 the hard work.
0: So it it seems like I mean, especially at the size that you guys are at, you you even you have had to develop your leadership chops. And and what would you say? I mean, if somebody were if, if you were in a room and just a fly on a wall, and someone was talking about your leadership style, how would you? What what, what do you think they would say about your style of leadership?
2: Um, they'll tell you I'm very serious, which which I am. I'm I tend to be very serious about what I do because I you know I take it I take it I don't. I don't take it lightly. There's a lot of people's livelihoods at stake and uh, it may sound actually a little bit morbid, but I tell people that the decisions we make here at the office when we're working on a project uh, affects people's lives and not just in a positive way. When we make a mistake, you know, people can lose their lives and so you have to take what we do very, very seriously. There's a tremendous amount of liability, not just to the firm, but to the professionals that work on a project to do things correctly. And so, yes, I'm very serious about it because there's nothing more serious than, than people's, you know, people's lives. But, you know, at the same time, I'm a hands-off leader. I like to hire really good people, point them in the right direction, coach them, and then let them do what they're here to do. And so, you know, the, the best people that I work with get the least amount of time from me because, quite frankly, they don't need it. And so, you know, as a leader, my goal is to, is to make sure we're looking for opportunities that we're continuing to promote the growth. That's absolutely necessary to keep our key personnel engaged. But at the same time, it's not to babysit people. It's not to go around and make sure that you did everything you said you were going to do this week. Eventually, that stuff catches up with you, and, and, and the people you work with will say, yeah, it doesn't mean need to be me that figures it out. Right. Uh, it happens soon enough.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, one of my favorite quotes is I think it's a Steve Jobs quote. It's It's that, you know, what you need to do is, as a leader is hire really smart people and then get the hell out of their way and let them do their job. So, yeah. So I think that's great. Well, you know, we're, we're this is this. This is the month of September 2016. We are getting ready for our hot firm event, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. I know you'll be there with your team and, and, and rightfully so. Um, your firm has received numerous awards and accolades, including being a Zui Group hot firm best firm to work for and a marketing excellence award winner uh, and we, we call that the trifectus so you guys have a special label that you guys are going to wear uh, when you walk around at this hot firm event in Phoenix in 2 Fantastic. weeks. Fantastic. Yeah, which is really cool because you've gotten all three of those and and then to, not not to be outdone, you guys are also an Inc 5000 and an ENR list of, and you're on the ENR list of the top 500 design firms in the United States. I mean, what do these awards mean to you personally and, and how have they impacted um, WGI when it comes to both getting new business and attracting great talent? Because to me, at the end of the day those you can leverage that that type of success in both of those areas. Yeah, those are
2: great questions. And, and again, you know, I'll go back to what I said about ITHR marketing and branding. And so we're focusing on the third leg right now of, of, of what differentiates successful firms. And so the awards mean everything because they lend stability and credibility to a firm. And so when a firm gets an award for fast growth, I tell everybody that's a great firm because it's a measure of our success But it's not as important as the best firm to work for award because that's the one that says, hey, this is a good place to work. And by the way, they're also growing, which means I have potential. And so while we're proud of both of those, the best firms to work for personally means more to me uh, from a leveraging standpoint and from a personal reward standpoint. Because I think if it's a good place to work and you attract talent, then the growth will come if you manage it effectively. And so, number one, be a good place to work and then let the rest fall fall into place behind that but when you when you look at both of those awards we work really hard to to achieve those goals and so it's not just the fact that we get to you know put it on our email for a year put it on the internet or advertise it you know in publications it's the fact that people start to believe in the culture and when you look at the clients the clients say hey well look it's a good place to work they're growing uh... they're one of the the largest firms in the country well, the important clients, or the clients that, conversely, don't know a lot about what they do, that's what they're looking for when they hire a professional consultant. They want to know that the people are stable. They want to know that the firm is stable. They want to know that the people are happy, because that's what's gonna that's what's gonna take to deliver a successful project for them. And then when you add in, you know, the third part of that, which is which is the marketing award, that's just you know a. That's what that is is us making a commitment to what to what I said earlier. It's us putting our, you know, our money where our mouth is and that is let's brand it. Let's get it out there. Let's get it on Instagram. Let's get it on Snapchat. Let's get it on social media. Let's make sure that we're attracting the generation of professionals in the workplace. Let's get it in their face. Let's do it constantly. You know, we have someone that here that's dedicated to social media full time. That's her job. That's what she does. If you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, I wouldn't have known what social media was.
0: Five years ago, for that matter. Yeah,
2: and then if you would have said, you know, two years ago, hey, you're going to dedicate one person to social media, I would have said, well, you mean taking care of our website? And, you know, (laughs) today I realize just how important it is. It's just as important as, as having your name on the side of a vehicle or on a billboard or in a news article or, you know, a podcast like we're doing today. I mean, it's it it's it's a tremendous benefit and it lends credibility and that's what sells work and attracts good people.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know it's kind of one of it's you know we call it when we when we do the marketing thing we kind of talk about that whole be everywhere mentality and and mm-hmm. in addition to the great engineering work that you guys are doing you almost have to be everywhere with your brand, uh, which is important and and you know you know adding to what you just mentioned about you know that full time social media person uh that you have and i, I certainly i know that uh, some of your peers uh, and especially in the florida market haven't are not that forward thinking some are but some are not so uh and and i know that in the, in this industry in the design industry is it's one of the industries that are they're slow to incorporate new ideas uh, when it comes to operating and running a business, because you know, invariably you hear the same refrain: "That's not how we've always done it." You know, and 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 so um, you know, it's interesting. But I just recently wrote an article about the gig economy and about you know the sharing um, marketplace. And and I don't know about you, um, David. Have you ever used Uber before? Have I ever used what? I'm sorry. Uber. Oh Uber. yeah, I love Uber. Okay. So you know you we've got uber we've got TaskRabbit, we've got all these programs out there that allow us to whether it's sharing a ride or Airbnb and getting a rental or whatever what what do you i mean what do you what are your thoughts for this industry specifically of of being able to um you know share workers or hire talent for a specific project in the future i mean where where, where do you, where do you think where do you fall in that spectrum of, of that idea of You know, I I mean, I think the coming economy, I think Intuit said that by 2020, 40 percent of the U.S. workforce will be operating from that perspective. And I'm just curious to see what you think about that. So
2: it's it's presenting a very interesting dynamic and it's it's a very, very uh, tricky question to answer. You know, the first the first component of this has, has has existed for years and that was outsourcing. Can we outsource production or drafting, for lack of a better term, overseas? And to some extent, you see some of it, but you don't. I don't run across it more than once or twice a year, and so it hasn't been something that has been predominantly used, or I think you know, very successful, successfully in, in delivering a project. We're seeing a tremendous push, and we keep hearing about you know new millennials. And today I heard about centennials, which is I guess the generation coming up behind. You hear about centennials yet? I see you. And yeah, so there are only about a million or something folks behind the new millennials as far as being the largest um, age group now, which I think is everybody under age 18. But every time we go to a conference or some sort of event or some sort of HR gathering, we hear about new millennials. And then the thing we constantly hear from them, we touched on technology, is you know, where am I going to work? They want to know what their workplace environment is going to be. Is it a nice office or am I going to be sitting someplace where I'm not comfortable all day? And then the very next question we get is, you know, are the work hours flexible? And then right on the heels of that, are can we work from home? And so, you know, from someone who had to go to the office, you know, as as a young teenager um, and didn't get the option to sit at home, it's hard for me to grasp. And when when you look at the generation that's that's been in the business longer than I have, they don't they don't come close to understanding it. And I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm doing my best to try to find that happy medium. But you know it's hard because we work in a team environment with a lot of collaboration and the struggle in the late 90s and the early 2000s were how do you work share across offices effectively and so you know some of our our software providers came out with products that let you share technology and files and make sure that everyone's always working on the latest document and the The transmission speeds got faster and faster and faster to where yeah you can sit where you're sitting and I can sit where I can sit and we can collaborate on the drawing or a spreadsheet or calculations real time just like doing you know video today and it it works well we we've, we've crossed that hump but we haven't figured out how to have how to have a team of people you know a team's five and how to have all five people in five different locations in five different time zones effectively work together and then come to a meeting with a client. And say, okay, here are the five people that are working on your project. And have them look at a screen and feel comfortable. And so that's something that this next generation is going to push really hard. And I think as the next generation become starts to become our clients, that they'll start to accept lack of a physical presence. And it, when the client starts to accept it, Will be forced to deliver a product in that manner, and so you're going to continue to see more of this outsourcing, work at home, and flexible workforce demands because the generation that's supplying the talent, uh, the econ- or the 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 human capital is is going to demand it, and we're going to have to adapt to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that I mean that's that's our thought, and, and that's kind of the the synopsis in this article that I recently wrote for the Waig letter that. It's it, you know I I guess at the end of it I said change is coming, whether we like it or not. Sure. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I mean you can do it the way you've always done it. I can go get some drafting tables and stools and, and, and you know Leroy sets and and let's see how long we survive. You know in a similar manner I can take any of the ENR five hundred firms. Uh, that are a fantastic peer network and say let's see how long you survive when the workforce Workforce doesn't want to come to the office and you demand it Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting transition.
0: It will it certainly will well listen before we close that I, I did want to mention I had a chance to look at several of your marketing materials. I looked at your um, WGI and former newsletter, which I think is an internal newsletter and I, I got to say David, it, it really looks like you guys know. I mean, you work hard, but you guys know how to play hard too and have a lot of fun. Do Do you want to just can Can you just talk a little bit about that and what stands out in your mind with regard to that? Because it looks like your your people are involved in a lot of uh, civic-minded activities. Um, I, I think there may even be a race team. There are a few other things that you guys do that's kind of cool. And so I'm I'm just curious if you you know if you would be be able to talk about that because we don't always see that. Uh, even with firms of your size, I mean, yeah, we'll see the occasional Instagram photo of a couple of folks getting together, maybe running a you know half marathon or something like that. And I'm not belittling that effort. I'm just saying that some firms are all in and, and others really aren't when it comes to that whole idea of work hard, play hard. It seems like you guys have captured the essence of that. Do you want to just speak about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, Randy, because it's something that I'm passionate about.
2: It's, it's so vital that the relationships that develop in the workplace translate to activities outside of the workplace. It's not just knowing what your partner's strength and strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to being able to deliver a product to a client. It's knowing what those strengths and weaknesses are and how they communicate outside of the office and how they relate to people when they're doing something that's completely opposite from what you normally deal with them on. And so those activities, whether it's that marathon, or I think a couple of weeks ago we had a, a local animal shelter in here, and we brought you know animals in, and we raised some money for them. So it was it was it was a benefit to everybody. People got a chance to hang out with some animals that needed some attention and raise some money for a good cause. This week or next next week, I believe we have we have a chocolate food truck coming in, and a, and a you know guy coming in making all sorts of things with grilled cheese sandwiches or something, but. You know, it's get off a little bit early in the middle of the day, uh, end of the day, uh, celebrate a little bit, see how people react when they're not actually having a, when they let their hair down, they're not working on a project. Uh, It lets you you bond better with the people that you're with eight or ten hours a day. And if you can't develop that bond and that kinship outside of the office, you can't be as successful inside the office. And so it's just, it's absolutely vital to success.
0: Well, man, yeah, yeah, I tell you, just just looking at it looked like fun. And I'm I'm an adventure <laughs> kind of guy. I like to go out and do outdoors activities. And, and I, I must say it looks like people there at uh, WGI are really having a great time. And so I mean, you know, and you guys are doing I mean, on the balance sheet, you guys are doing great. But you know, uh, in terms of just just, you know, a work-life balance. I mean, you guys are, seem to have it all under control, which I think is a testament to, to you and, 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 and your father and the rest of the leadership there at WGI. And, and uh, I know I lied. I actually have one final question. I know you do so, have some children. Uh, is, is there a third generation of Watmans that are going to be working in the firm? Or you know,
2: um, I, I don't think so. I'm blessed with two lovely daughters. Uh one who's studying physical therapy at the University of Alabama, Okay. Which drives the, the gator in me crazy. Uh, <laughs> and my youngest daughter says she's pursuing a medical career, and oh, so, okay. you know, I'm going to be faced with an interesting challenge, and that is, you know, how I actually exit this business one day, but fortunately, I'm... I'm young and energetic, and and I have a while to think about that. I plan on being here for quite some time.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. Yes, you are young, and I'd like to think that a lot of us in, in this age range are going to work into our seventies without a, without pause or concern, just because of technology and the fact that you know medicine will keep us alive a lot longer. So I think that's that's kind of of a cool thing. Well, that's, I guess the, the the one thing that your daughters will benefit from is that hey, who knows? You may design or build the next hospital that they work in. So that'll be. There'll be some tangential relationship there. They get a kick out of seeing
2: our projects and our vehicles when when they're driving around town, their friends, you know, send send them a text message or an Instagram, you know, to get heart back on social media. Right. Uh, they say, Look, look at the picture, you know, I just saw one of your one of your one of your vehicles somewhere. So it's kind of neat.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Well, David, man, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us uh, on the Zwide Letter interview series. I really appreciate that.
2: Uh, Randy, it was fantastic. I, I'm glad I could do it. It was good to see you. Um, the questions were very insightful, and uh, hopefully uh, a lot of listeners will, will gain some
0: benefit out of listening to them. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, as a reminder, all ZY group media programs like this one are available on in both podcast and video format for free for download on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube, just to name a few places. We'd like to thank you for watching this in video or listening to the podcast by offering you a free copy of the Zweig Letter. Just visit info.zweiggroup.com forward slash free A link to all of this information, including David's contact information, will be in our show notes. And we would love it if you would share this link with a friend. I'm Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to Zwig Group Media, part of Zwig Group. Remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast exclusive. We hope that you can apply Mark's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free transcript of this or any episode of our podcast, please visit info.zweiggroup.com/podcast. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about finance, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe to the print or digital version of The Zweig Letter online at zweiggroup.com/publications we